1: para Sergio va a chutar, prefiere abrir para Ceballos, Ceballos levanta la cabeza, vuelve a habilitar a Valverde en el pico del área, lo pone Valverde, segundo, palo,
0: la dio Asensio Benzema, remata gol. Hello,
1: everyone,
0: and welcome right,
2: kind of to another episode of La Liga Lowdown. It's our match day 18 recap. We're almost at the halfway point now of the season in La Liga. I'm your host Matt Clark. I'm delighted to be joined by Román Darquea from Barcelona. How are you, Román?
1: I'm good, Matt. Thank you very much. Uh, not enjoying the cold here in Barcelona because the temperatures have gone down quite a lot, and we're not used to this. But uh, happy for Barça at least getting a good or well, good result. Tough one, but a good result in the end. And uh, La Liga itself, in general, is, is looking very entertaining.
2: Yes, lots of interesting matches to discuss. As for the weather, I think we'll leave that because. Uh, I've got the small violin out for our man because he's still above freezing while we're here shivering in England. Um, let's just run through the results quickly then before we get into the meat of the dish. On Friday night, Mallorca got a narrow win over Celta, Daniel Rodriguez with a very emotional celebration as they won 1-0. On to Saturday and one of the most uh, intriguing-looking games on paper saw Real Sociedad continue their incredible run, winning 2-0 at Rayo Vallecano. And then uh, Espanyol beat Betis 1-0. Bit of a surprise there. Betis still um, struggling after those cup defeats on penalties. We'll talk about that in uh, soon. Uh, Atleti beat Valladolid by three goals to nil. A rapid treble in the first half gave them a comfortable win for a change. And then in the big Andalus derby in Sevilla, 1-0 to the hosts over Cádiz. A late penalty from Ivan Rakitic. Um, touched air, as they say in Spanish, for the Sevilla side. On to Sunday and Villarreal also left it very late and it was a penalty again. Dani Parejo, 90 plus 11, saw them finally get past Paulo Gazaniga and get a win over Girona. Then Elche came from behind to get their second consecutive draw. That was a 1-1 draw against Osasuna who probably had more than half an eye on the Copa del Rey game. And then it was to the, the league leaders. Barca at home against Hitafe. Looked like a formality. Ended up being 1-0 but uh, they had to suffer. But again, another clean sheet and other three points. Xavi's side and then Real Madrid away in Bilbao chance for them to potentially drop points in a tough place to go but they came through 2-0 Benzema and Cruz with the goals there so we'll get into all of that in due course Roman let's start with the league leaders then Barca briefly extending their lead at the top to six points before Madrid's trip to Bilbao wasn't an easy game though was it to watch or for for Barca to, to get through?
1: No, absolutely. It was actually quite a boring game, I'd say, from a Barca perspective at least, especially in that second half. I mean, the first half, we did generate some decent opportunities. We got the goal, of course. Uh, Getafe were basically waiting at the back, you know, holding on to to a a small result, we could say, like uh, not allowing Barca to score too many goals if possible, which it did work out in the end. And the second half, uh, towards the end, they started stretching out a bit, trying to look for those counters, they even had uh, some very good opportunities to be fair with uh, Borja Mayoral in both halves, he had some really good chances Ter Stegen, uh, you can you can feel how important he is for the team because he's really saving us from some uh, big scares and honestly Barca really couldn't find the key to to um, getting that second goal and, and closing the game, you know, they really did struggle to generate in that second half looked poor and the changes Xavi made were also a bit disappointing and now the fact that you don't have Memphis Depay or a replacement with Ferran who wasn't available and, and I mean uh, Lewandowski of course uh, also limits you attack so uh, it wasn't a great game overall and things need to be uh,
2: worked on mm. It was interesting we saw the goal from Pedri his fourth of the season in La Liga that's his best tally of any season so far so he's clearly adding goals to his pretty much all-round perfect game uh, it was a front three of, of Rafinha, and Fati and Dembélé, as you say, with the absence of Lewandowski. And Xavi went back to the 4-3-3 as opposed to starting four midfielders. Do you think that, that in a way, do you think they actually look better with four midfielders on the pitch?
1: I mean, honestly, for me, the best um, moment I've seen of Barca is four three three. 4-3-3. I think it's, it's a formation that really works well. Um, four midfielders, I don't dislike, but you really have to have not just good control, but be capable of, of generating, you know, and finding spaces in between and, and and being sharp with the one-touch passes and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like we're still not there, you know. And so um, maybe if you do have, like, Frankie, Pedri, and Busquets, etc., in good form now and then it can work but I honestly think like opening up the wings is it's helpful especially against uh, teams like Getafe you know who are closed down so you need a guy on each side to try and open up the those the defense and basically find those spaces so uh, it depends on the game I guess what you what your objective is Uh, but uh, I think 4-3-3 at the moment is still for me more reliable.
2: Mm. Let's talk about the goalkeeper then Marc-Andre Ter Stegen. 13 (laughs) clean sheets in 17 matches once again with the crucial saves, as you mentioned, the one-on-one with Borja Mayoral, particularly impressive. He, there's an argument to be made that he's been Barca's best player this season, potentially, and he's in the form of his life, isn't he?
1: Yeah, it's it's so good to see him back at this level because uh, it felt like we'd lost him for a while, you know, for a few years. Or he really wasn't performing up to, to the level that uh, we'd seen him capable of doing, and it's not that he's very old or anything like that, you know, he's still got... Uh, years ahead of him and also goalkeepers we know that usually uh, last longer in that sense so I mean it was surprising to see that he he dropped in his form uh, but now it's, it's it's great to have him back you know he's proven crucial and I mean we know that Barca likes to have the ball, likes to uh, push forward and of course uh, they are quite unprotected at the back so of course there are counterattacks, there are dangerous situations and you need a keeper like Ter Stegen who can uh, keep those clean sheets because I've seen games where Barca probably deserved to concede but thanks to Ter Stegen uh, it didn't happen and, and we could win or we had a clean sheet. So uh, all the credit to him because he's really, really uh, having a fantastic season. And I'm happy he's also like part of the captains uh, because he's, he's, a, he's a leader and he's a great person and, and a great uh, goalkeeper.
2: Mm, indeed, only six goals conceded so far this season. Only Deportivo in the 90s had a better run or a better mark of goals conceded at this stage of a season. It was a good day for the Femini too. They won the Supercopa. uh, on the women's side too, beating Real Sociedad by three goals to nil. And it's Real Sociedad who Barca will face next in the Copa Román. How do you assess that game, Um, now we've seen both play this weekend? How do you think Barca stand ahead of that cup tie?
1: Well, to be fair, it was probably one of the few teams I didn't want (laughs) in this cup tie because I think Real Sociedad are a very uh, strong block, a very united team, very hard to get past, and I think it won't be easy at all. Um, I do still think that Barca in the big games tend to step up their level. I think it's very different when they're they're aware they're playing against Getafe or a team maybe in the lower half of the standings than when they're playing uh, a stronger side of of La Liga or a Spanish team or whatever, you know. So in that sense, I do think that Barca should be capable of of stepping up their game and, and doing well. But it's going to be tough because Real Sociedad are doing incredible. I mean, uh, this season they've had so many problems with the injuries and that kind of stuff. And despite all of that, you know, they've, they're they out there and, and it's incredible. So just imagine, you know, if they had everyone available and they are recovering players little by little. It's good to see Oyarzabal back and having minutes uh, more and more with each, uh, each week. And I think they're going to be a very, very tough team to beat indeed.
2: Mm. Very much looking forward to that tie in midweek. Uh, as for the team chasing down Barca... Uh, Real Madrid went to Bilbao to face Ernesto Valverde and Athletic Club. Um, it was potentially one where many Barca fans, including yourself, were hoping that Real Madrid would stumble and the league could grow, but uh, it didn't. Um, athletic had large parts of the game, but it was Real Madrid who came through. Basically, the difference was the quality up front. I mean, a fantastic goal from Karim Benzema, we've seen that before, and then a late Tony Crowes goal, really classy finish to kind of put the game beyond any doubt. But Athletic, once again, so many opportunities in the final third, but they just lack the the precision, the the right pass, and and basically they lack goal. They don't have goal, as they say in Spain. And, and it's really starting to hurt them. What did you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think they probably deserved a bit more because, as you said, that second half, they re- really were pushing. Uh, they had decent chances, but yeah, as you said, they're lacking the goals because it's true that towards the beginning of the season, they had some really good moments, Athletic Club, where they were even scoring quite a lot of goals in, in some games, and it seemed like Valverde had really found a way to, to make a uh, athletic club a click and attack, you know, but then now after the World Cup they've kind of lost a bit and, and they're not looking as sharp and, and Iñaki Williams, he's this kind of player that uh, he gets good chances, he's got the pace, he's there, but he lacks that consistency, scoring goals, he sometimes misses some very clear chances and in the end that's tough, but we all know that athletic club are limited in that aspect, you know, they can't sign another player as easily as most clubs would, so... That uh, of course is, is a bit of a problem sometimes, so they have to trust what they have, and I do think it was a bit disappointing in the end because uh, Real Madrid are in a good moment. It's true that I if, if, if I'm not mistaken, they had a really good record against Athletic Club in La Liga, where they now it's 15 games without losing against them. So I mean, um, in a way, I think Madrid you know, uh, have the edge over, over Athletic Club in that sense. But still, knowing that their their form isn't good, Athletic had an opportunity. They did try, you know, they pushed, as we said, the second half was their moment. But in the end, that second goal from cross towards the end just absolutely uh, killed the game for them.
2: It did indeed. Uh, as you say, it's, it's kind of a cliche that it's a hard place to go. Of course, the atmosphere is always magnificent in Bilbao. The fans really get up for the visit of Real Madrid. But Madrid haven't lost there since 2015. So they they tend to get results at San Mames and that's the I think that's the first time in their history they've they've uh, achieved at least a point at San Mames in eight consecutive league seasons so Madrid continue uh three points behind Barca in the title race crisis probably over they now face Atleti in the Copper, another fantastic tie in the quarterfinals to look forward to this week and yeah they continue three points behind the pace of Barca the team in third we must talk more about is Real Sociedad setting a new club record nine wins in a row taking into account Liga and Copa. Another fantastic result here, playing away at Rayo without Zubimendi, without Mikel Merino, but no problem. Uh, Mateo Laoz was also brought out of the fridge for this game and he was seemingly still cold because he didn't show any yellow cards at all in this fixture. So it's good to see Mateo back and hopefully a bit more calm than before. Uh, Roman, what did you make of this game? Rasociedal are so impressive, aren't
1: they? Yeah, they're just, as as I was saying, they're just uh, so... So strong, they're, they're so consistent at the moment. They're a scary side, that's why I was saying. like Anything could happen against Barca in the Copa del Rey and, and in La Liga, you're, they're proving it week in, week out. And you said they were missing Merino. Uh, they were also missed Kubo in the end because he had some discomforts apparently and he he couldn't play. So, I mean, despite losing all these important players constantly, and it's been happening... All year, I mean, or all season so far, uh, these 18 match days. They also, let's not forget, are missing their main striker. They bought uh, Sadiq this summer, who was supposed to provide the goal. So it's incredible how, despite everything that's going against them, they just perform really well. They're such a united team, you can tell. Uh, that the manager has really uh, gotten the players to, to believe in the project and even the youngsters when they come on. I think Real Sociedad is one of the few teams in which I'm so surprised that every time he brings a young player to come on, they, they seem like they've been playing there for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that just, uh, again, uh, reinforces the, this point that uh, they're, they're such a united squad and team. And again, Rayo Vallecano. I mean, they know how to defend, they know how to tag, they got their goals, and as soon as that happened, it was very tough for Rayo to get back, because Real Sociedad are, are such a, um, a solid team at the back, also, that it's, it's really difficult. So, credit to them, and uh, hopefully they can keep up, and who knows if, you know, maybe they can even fight for La Liga.
2: Well, indeed, that's the question on many people's lips, and of course, they face Madrid next week at the Bernabeu, so they can win that. They go level on points with Real Madrid. Um, they do have that cup game with Barca at now first. So their next two games, they've got this nine-match winning streak, but their next two will really be a test for that with, with now and Bernabeu. I suppose that the key really is for them, though, to just try and make sure they finish in the top four. And it's looking good because they have a seven-point cushion over the team in fifth, which is currently Villarreal. Uh, the team in fourth is also on is also seven points behind them, and that is Atletico de Madrid. They had a very encouraging first-half performance against Real Valladolid at the Civitas Metropolitano. Griezmann once again fundamental a goal assist and a free kick which set up the third goal the the backheel flick from Morata's goal was just pure magic wasn't it
1: that was wonderful and then Morata himself he did really well cutting in and you know finishing off the goal and it was a lovely combination between both players and you know seeing Griezmann at this level is is really incredible to see because uh, let's not forget that at Barca he was Maybe not disappointing, but not not this level, you know. He, here he just seems so much, so much more comfortable. And I'm sure Barca regretting after having agreed to that 20 million deal for him with Atletico and they were uh, not playing him, you know, in, in the first half of the game to try and uh, put pressure on Barca. And it worked out for them. And look, uh, they've got a fantastic player. And Atletico de Madrid now, uh, they're just playing not very well but this game at least they kind of found themselves again and in 30 minutes they had the game done, sealed and they could have scored many more so uh, good for Atletico Madrid and on the other hand bad and very poor from Valladolid who since the World Cup honestly have completely crashed out and I don't really understand what's happening but uh, they were looking quite good. I mean, they were climbing up in the standings and then, you know, this this, uh, this kind of uh, stop during the World Cup has killed them absolutely. And they just can't find their previous form. And now they're dropping down very low. And in fact, they're in the relegation
2: zone at the moment. They are. They slipped into it this weekend. And that's now five defeats in a row without scoring a single goal. Bacchetta admitted that they're in a very rough run. He's determined to turn it around. He says, just like in life, you know, you have rough patches and you have to come through them. Memphis Depay you've written on our substack this week Roman about Barca helping Atleti out in the transfer market and it seems to keep happening the likes of David Villa, Luis Suarez, Antoine Griezmann and now Memphis Depay players that are seemingly at a very good level that Barca are quite happy to let go to their rivals for pretty good value uh, from Atleti's point of view we'd like to expand a bit more on that
1: yeah, you know, I mean, it's a bit surprising uh, how we just keep giving them so many players. I can understand the deal isn't too bad for Barcelona itself, you know, so in a way I can understand. But I would be trying to look to other to other squads or other, sorry, other teams to be selling uh, their players. Because let's not forget that you said Villa and Luis Suárez, for example, we sold them and they won the league. Uh, In the first case with Villa, they even won it at the Camp Nou against us. So, I mean, it makes it even a bit tougher, you know. And then the Griezmann situation for me was just awful from Atletico Atletico de Madrid, you know, trying to put pressure on Barca to to put down the price of Griezmann and threatening with not playing him. So we we, we would have to bring him back to the club. And, of course, his salary would completely uh, be absolute chaos for us in terms of uh, salary cap, etc. So, uh, honestly, seeing how they've been so... Kind of unfair against us, and then when we were interested in their players, they never seem to uh, give us a bit of, uh, we could say, help us out a bit in that sense. So, uh, well, I guess that um, Barca still think they're they're useful in a way, and you know, in the end, they do close deals together. And let's see what happens with Memphis. I don't think they're going to win a league this time, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he scores uh, against us in the next time we face Atletico in in the mm. La Liga
2: and uh, well on the plus side you do have looks like you have an option to sign Carrasco for a, a cup prize deal in the summer so there is that speaking of that sure. content and that is available at lllonline.substack.com, where you can find that piece and all our other content every day publishing fresh pieces and you can hear our pods on there as well so check that out for all your La Liga lowdown needs that uh, is just about all we have time for in the first half of the show we're so coming up in part two we have plenty more including Sevilla, Villarreal, Espanol and oil again. Stay tuned.
0: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile.
2: Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. I'm here with Romain Arquer to review matchday 18 in La Liga. Speaking of our Substack, though, listener, we have a very intriguing piece on there as well from Sam Leverage looking at a gaffer who works from home. If you want to find out more about that, you know where to go. lllonline.substack.com Back to the La Liga action from the weekend then, and Villarreal left it oh so late to beat Girona um, on Sunday. My word. It was an incredible performance from Paolo Gazaniga. He was still man of the match despite conceding that late penalty. Eight saves, 3.7 expected goals on target faced. He kept out the first penalty from Gerard Moreno. But then Juanpe was so clumsy, he gave Villarreal another chance from the spot. And this time, Dani Parejo converted to give Kiki Setien another win at home. Roman, did you see this game? What were your takeaways from this?
1: Yeah, I mean, Gazaniga was definitely the MVP. He was a wall, <laughs> was stopping everything. And then at the end, that first penalty, he stopped it. And then I actually switched off the game after that because I thought it was <laughs> the 95th minute, I think, or 96th, which was the added time. I thought they was going to uh, end the game and then they scored the penalty after. Uh, but in the end, it was deserved for Villarreal because they definitely were the better side. They were insistent. They had some very good chances. But as we said, the goalkeeper was fantastic. And in general, Girona defensively well. We're, we're strong enough, you know, to, to keep uh, Villarreal away, but in the end, yeah, I mean, that penalty uh, on Pau Torres, the second one, well, both were on Pau Torres, the second one for me is, is a penalty, even though he, Pau is also holding, grabbing uh, Juan Piz's shirt, I think uh, Juan is quite exaggerated by pulling his shirt almost over his head and then grabbing him with the arm, so honestly, I don't think there should be much complaining there. And, you know, fair result because Villarreal with Kike Setién, as we've been saying lately, are looking much better. Strong performances and at least they can now get past that Copa del Rey defeat where they were, they were quite close to, to making it through. But uh, that second half by Real Madrid uh, was, was too strong for them.
2: Mm. Perhaps Juan Pei wanted to swap shirts with Pau and he also thought the game was <laughs> over because it looked like he was trying to literally take the shirt off his back. Yeah. Pepe Reina couldn't watch Parecos play; and he, he had his back turned to it facing the fans behind his goal, and uh, he celebrated wildly when that went in as well. He kept his first mm-hmm. clean sheet in La Liga since May 2005, so how about that? Speaking of late penalties, Sevilla had an enormous victory over Cadiz. It looked like they were going to be stumbling once again. It was a very tense atmosphere at the Ramon San Pizjuan Before the game, fans were calling for resignations from the board. They were very animated outside the ground. The atmosphere was quite, quite tense and jumpy had a goal disallowed in the first half and then Monchi came down to the touchline at halftime to remonstrate San Pauli was sent off too. but in the end Ivan Rakitic, the man who has ice in his veins got the winner and that's a huge three points for
0: Sevilla suspense en el Sánchez
1: Yeah, massive three points. Uh, They really needed that. Well, you could see after the game, Monchi was in tears. You know, just imagine the pressure he's feeling, not just. as a worker of the club, but also as a fan, you know, he probably combines all the feelings, all the emotions in one uh, in one go, in one person. And I mean, they, they desperately needed the win. They're, they're looking better. I think that game, they, they did deserve it in the end. They had some, the better chances. Uh, it's good to see Ocampos back. I think he could really help out in this club but in the first place. I never understood why they let him go. I guess it was probably due to economical issues or whatever but uh it's good to see him now once again in La Liga performing for for Sevilla. And I think he will definitely uh be a lot of help and yeah, let's see if they can build up on this win because Sevilla. Uh, no, well nobody. I was saying nobody wants to see them down, but of course <laughs> there'll <will> be people but <laughs> but what I mean is that they're a team that should be much higher up, you know, they have a good squad, they have massive fan base and they're uh really missed you know we could say at the european level in the, in the europa league etc etc so i mean they should be fighting for way more than than avoiding relegation yeah
2: indeed i'm not sure the beticos amongst our listeners will, will tend to agree there <laughs> exactly. but yeah absolutely uh, to be a uh, historic club in la liga as for cadiz sergio once again he he lamented the refereeing decisions going against them. of course we had a very controversial ha equalizer on last monday night which was uh, referred to by tom and paco in our last pod uh, he actually said on the, on the radio that uh, he feels caddy for the punching dolls of the division. Uh, not sure whether that translates into English so well, but uh, what do you think he meant by that, Roman, and, and do you agree?
1: Well, honestly, I've always considered Sergio a bit of a whiner. I mean, he, he tends to complain a lot about referees. I have to agree that smaller sides are never the ones that are more benefited by them. So I can understand that now and then they complain. Like, for example, the last week they had reasons to complain and that was a massive mistake and, and it really uh, did affect them. But in this case, for example, I think the penalty was, was OK. It was a penalty, you know, and, and and Sevilla deserved the win in the end. And uh, I mean, if I, can't, I don't know. I, I remember there was also another club this weekend that was also complaining about the referees. I think it was Celta de as uh, manager. Carvajal was also saying that the referees are always against them. I mean, when you're down in that situation of pressure in the relegation zone, you always feel like they're uh, harming you more than benefiting you, you know? So uh, definitely as a smaller side, as I said, you won't get as many calls uh, on on your on your favor, probably. But uh, I don't think it's necessary to focus on on complaining about that. Rather, focus on getting points, you know, playing better football and improving and and getting your team
2: out of the bottom. Mm, Indeed, they stay 19th after that defeat. Um, Espanyol have made it back-to-back wins in the league for the first time in over a year with their 1-0 win over Betis. It caps a pretty woeful week for Manuel Pellegrini's side out of the Supercopa on penalties, then out of the Copper on penalties in their own backyard, and now defeat in La Liga. Just three wins for them in their last 11 in the league. It's not Champions League form, is it?
1: Absolutely not, and I think for many of us, uh, Betis were candidates to, to be top four this season, and they, they're Disappointing, I have to say. Uh, as you said, their their latest run is is very poor. Um, they've had games, you know, where they've dropped points where they shouldn't be dropping points. Like for example, against Espanol, we all know that Espanol maybe looking a bit better in the last few games, but still, I think Betis should have enough quality, even though they were missing out on Fekir and, and other players who who weren't avail- available, sorry. But still, I mean, I think Betis need to do much better if, if they really want to actually fight for those champions' positions because it's slipping away from them and uh, it's going to be tough to, to catch back because Real are, are back in shape. Atletico, if they keep up this form uh, from the last game, then they'll be hard to catch too. And we know that Real Sociedad are, are incredible at the moment. And, and then there's also Osasuna close by etc so uh, Betis have to keep an eye out and, and try and get back to their best level because they have the quality they have the players the project seemed like it was going upwards uphill growing you know improving in these uh, years with pellegrini but now they've they're going through this slump and i hope they can get past it
2: yeah three well only three points off top four and they have a game in hand so it doesn't look too bad on paper but like you say that if aletti mm. can get into some form and, and Villarreal too it looks like a, a bit of a a struggle for them but uh not all lost for the Beticos, um, but a good win for Espanyol nonetheless. And Diego Martínez certainly needed it. Um, it's, been a, it's been a rough season for them, but green shoots for them. In this case, green and white. You mentioned Osasuna even for an outside shout for, for European football. How about Mallorca? Because they won on Friday night um, with a win that puts them on 25 points already um, for a team that we expect to be fighting relegation. Javier Aguirre has really got a good project going there. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez, fantastic goal real good celebration from him beating Delta 1-0 um, yeah, do, do you think Mallorca are, where do you think their ceiling is? do you think they can, can make a push for the conference league potentially?
1: honestly I don't think so but again, I didn't think uh, they would be at this stage of the competition this high up in the standings You know, I thought they would also be uh, relegation candidates but they're proving us all wrong You know, I keep saying this uh, and, uh, credit to them and Antoine Aguirre because uh, they're doing a fantastic job. They're they're very solid side, you know. They get the few goals they need and then they're capable of, of closing down at the back properly and especially at home, you know. Uh, they proved this against Celta, which we know Celta have firepower with players like Gaspar etc uh, they're always dangerous they did have the chances of course but uh, Mallorca in the end were were uh, capable of fending off any any good opportunities and i think that um i think this is kind of their ceiling that's my personal feeling at the moment you know I, they can keep up this level getting uh, obviously more and more wins uh, that will save them from or keep them comfortably on top of of the relegation zone but I'm not sure if they have enough to climb up uh, so high as the Conference League, but maybe, as I said, they'll prove us wrong again. And and Aguirre uh, is doing an incredible job, honestly.
2: Just one point behind Athletic and Rayo, who everyone has been raving about this season, rightly so. So we'll hmm. we'll see. It's it's an interesting one to see yeah, yeah. to see how they progress in the next uh, next few weeks. Osasuna as well are a, another side that is aiming for potentially to upset the established order. They they stumbled a bit, didn't they? Let's be honest. The way at They came through that fantastic win at at Betis on penalties in the Cup, playing extra time, equalising twice, and then winning on penalties. They had the euphoria of that result. Then they have to go and play the team in bottom of the league, scrapping for their lives. They take an early lead through a fantastic header from Jimmy Ávila, but they're pegged back from uh, a really nice counter-attack goal from Jose Angel Carmona. Do you think Elche deserve this? I mean, Osasuna probably, I think they've got one eye on the next game in the Copa when they play Sevilla, haven't they? But uh, yeah, what's your take?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, Osasuna in the first half were relatively comfortable. They were the better side for me. But then it's true that in the second, uh, maybe they were feeling those extra minutes, you said, from the Copa del Rey or something, but they weren't uh, as good. And, and Elche, of course, they had the desperation and the need to to get the goals. And, and they were, of course, pushing more and more. And in the end, they got their, their goal. And they could have gotten another one, honestly. Uh, Machin said he wasn't disappointed because he knows his team gave everything, but he was a bit frustrated because he thought that the... Uh, they they could have done a bit better. They could have gone on the three points, although he thinks they're in the right path, he said, so uh, we'll see if that's true. But definitely, I mean, you could see that Elche were in need and, and they had some good chances. I mean, they could have really won the game. I think it was uh, Boyer that missed a really good opportunity he had in the first half, I think it was. I mean, there were chances and Elche looking a bit better maybe but uh we'll have to see if they can actually do something because uh, it's, it's, it's as i said before it's it's looking very grim very tough for them they're really really uh, down low and Osasuna, on the other hand they had a good opportunity to keep up that really good level in la liga but well i think they'll be happy with a draw in the end because they're in a very comfortable position still at the standings and as you said they're going to start focusing on the copa del rey because that would also be massive for the fans if they can uh, get through to the next round
2: it certainly would Uh, Yeah, Elche, two draws in a row, both coming from behind. So encouragement there, but they are still winless. Uh, One more game would equal Levante's record from last season. And yeah, 11 points away from safety. Uh, It's it's still looking quite bleak for them. So looking at that relegation picture then, Cadiz on 16 in 19th place. Then you have three teams on 17, Real Valladolid, Celta and Getafe. Do you see any clear relegation candidates apart from Elche? Which two do you think will join them? if uh, if that's the way it goes
1: Honestly, I don't think there are any candidates at the moment because it's just so close at the bottom, you know Espanol were like almost relegations and now they've gone up to the uh, 12th position with, with a couple of wins, so I mean Anyone can drop, even Girona are in danger, even Mallorca, you know, could have a bad run and and, and be down there if if something goes wrong, so uh, for me, at the moment, I don't see any clear candidates, but I do see the tendency of Getafe or Valladolid at the moment, which is like downhill, so these could be candidates, but I mean, these are moments, momentum, forms, uh, form comes and goes, so anything can happen, the only real candidate, as you said, for me, is Elche, who honestly I don't think will, will make it out, but uh, the rest... Anything can happen, and hopefully we'll have super entertaining last match day of the season with four, five, six teams, you know, involved. That's just uh, super incredible to see when it happens.
2: Mm, indeed, perhaps not if you're a fan of those sides, but yeah, for neutrals, obviously. Perhaps. obviously,
1: obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes.
2: Well, Monday night at Mestaya is your uh, is the final game of the round. That's uh, Valencia against Almeria, and then we have the Copa quarterfinals to follow. If you're looking for a moment of the week, though, man, it has to come from Segunda, doesn't it? Because we had an absolute golazo from Jorge Polido. Outstanding overhead scissor kick. Remarkable to to equalise for Huesca against Oviedo. And we're going to play out with the the audio from that goal. But a sensational strike, Roman. Um, Hopefully we have a sensational week ahead of Copa Quarter Finals. Thank you so much for your insight. Pleasure as always to speak to you.
1: Great to be on the show. Thanks very much, Matt.
2: Thanks again, listeners, for joining us today. We'll be back with a midweek pod and of course follow us at La Liga Lowdown for all the stuff in between so for now from all of us here it's
0: goodbye